Welcome to the Steve Has a Chat podcast, where I call someone out of the blue with the record button on and hope to have an unscripted conversation about Microsoft business applications. Let's see how it goes. Enjoy. Hey, Vaithorson speaking. Bye, hey, Steve Mordu. How are you? Hey, Steve. You know, uh, in fairness, let's say Charles mentioned that, you know, somehow you were going to call me. I didn't know when, but it's great to talk to you. You know, after I interviewed him, I asked him who, who would be a good person to talk to, and he dropped your name. So it doesn't surprise me that he gave you a little heads up. Have you got a few minutes to chat? Yeah, of course. Thanks, Steve. Oh, perfect. Perfect. I think that... Um, so before we get into it, maybe we can t- uh, tell the listeners a little bit about about what your role is. I know you you've been at Microsoft for uh, ever, uh, I think, like th- thirty years or something like that, and right. uh, you've you've held a lot of different positions. But uh, now you're in, the, in in the business application space, and that's been fairly recent. Um, so there's probably a lot of folks that might not be familiar with you. Should be. Oh yeah, thanks, Steve. You're you're right. I've been you know. Uh, Celebrating my 30 years anniversary at Microsoft in uh, in April uh, last uh, in 2022, uh, I, I actually I took the helm of the of the BizApps let's say sales organization uh, globally uh, in uh, late 2020. So basically, I I took my one way ticket you know to to Redmond uh, in December 2020, and 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 you you know you, you the plane was almost empty you know it was during the right. pandemic. Uh, and and it was a kind of strange feeling for someone who has been traveling so much, you know, in the past. And uh, and of course, let's say I came with the the lens of the business application. Of course, having led, let's say, Western Europe, you know, in my past role, I mean, all the businesses of Microsoft. And 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 I think Western Europe was quite successful on these apps, you know, uh, trajectory and growth. And I guess that was also, in fact, uh, the good the good match to some degree to to try to take it at the global level. So is it is it a little easier to think about a smaller segment of the product mix now really being able to focus like a business application? So I think before you had you were looking over all sorts of different things, weren't you? Yeah, it's it's actually it's a great question because I think it's a different it's a diff, very different let's say way of looking at the business. When when you are let's say almost you're the CEO of Microsoft in the in the countries that you are let's say leading you know, you, you have all the levers to to engage customers, partners, government uh, in, in different circumstances. And, and you try to leverage as much as you can the portfolio that you have uh, to maximize the value. In the context of, let's say, the business application, I think it was the, the interesting bet to some degree, Steve, was to say, hey, this has been a portfolio at Microsoft, you know, whether you call it Dynamics 365, you know, uh, or Dynamics only as a brand in the past, uh, and if you go back, you know, 20 years, let's say almost, you know, with the Navision and Accepta and Solomon Software and Great Plains, all these stories, yeah. and all these, let's say, you know, product came together. And 20 years, 20 years later, I think it has been part of a portfolio somewhere, you know, and you had the, almost what I will call the strong, let's say, portfolio of Microsoft, the, the platform, you know, the modern workplace and environment. And I felt we... The work that James Phillips in the past and with uh, Alisa and uh, Charles and Amy here now on the marketing side, you know, have been, you know, a, a strong inflection point 
to bring together both the technology in the cloud environment, but at the same time, you know, a market environment that requires very different, let's say, you know, uh, tools to make the most of this transformation. And I felt that if there's one piece at Microsoft that requires a, a huge catalyst, you know, leveraging the innovation, but responding as much as we can to what the customer need or even don't know yet what they need. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that's that's what I think to me uh, was almost a bet. You know, it's almost like you 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 all of a sudden you 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 move to the little dog. You know, if I may yeah. say, but you know, with a huge potential of transforming something. You know, with great asset for Microsoft and the customers and partners. Well, I have to say, having having been involved with Microsoft for a while, uh, you know, we have a, a phrase over here called "redheaded stepchild." <laughs> which is which is kind of what Dynamics was uh, uh, for for many many years. You know, it was off campus. Uh, it was it was just this this thing out there, and and it it, it uh, under Sacha when Sacha came in, he he really, I mean, he's the first one that I think came into the the, the position that recognized. You know what this this should be a, another leg on the stool, not you know some remote thing out there. And and I think that's made a huge difference because I was I was involved in the years before Sacha with business applications and they were not, you know, they were just something over here in the in the, on the back shelf and now they're right right front and center. I think that uh, between between Dynamics and what's happened with the Power Platform, you know, Microsoft's oh and cloud in general, you know, Microsoft's ability to get to get into and help customers is is massively different than it than it used to be and. And in your role now, you're you're dealing with a lot different type of customer. You know, when you're talking about Office 365 or Azure, you're you're dealing with IT, uh, and now you're you're mostly dealing with you know business users. It's a completely different audience you're having to work with today, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. I think also the you're right. The you know there, there's a since Satya took the helm of the company to some degree. You, 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 of course, we have seen the how we, we tackle the cloud computing hyperscale environment. But at the same time, in fact, what happened with the COVID, you know, in the last two years, have seen an acceleration of what we call in the past the productivity tools to become more and more collaboration environment. And, you know, from almost an application or a set of application, it became more and more a platform on its own. And so it's almost like when you think about, you know, where we are today and, and we were talking about the COVID, I don't think the COVID is yet over fully everywhere, but mm. now well, everybody is talking about recession, right? You know, and uh. there's no one headline that you look, you say, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? Right. Which just means, means in terms of planning, right? For 22, 23. So I think the, 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 the assets that, you know, is now quite unique to some degree or differentiated, as you said, between the, the Dynamics 365 platform, you know, component and the Power Platform, it's almost bringing together what I think, I don't know if you remember, Steve, you know, in, in a few years back, you know, I think Satya was talking about the mobility of the experience, mm -hmm. you know, and that was more from a device perspective initially. But actually what you see now is that with Teams as a platform, you know, the, 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 the system of productivity almost connect with the system of record more and more. And it, it's really transforming the way you are thinking. It's, it's almost like, you know, you think about, let's say, you don't have to go to a CRM environment or an ERP environment to get access to the data. It's almost like wherever you work, if you use an Excel or if you use Teams or whatever, you know, you, sh you get access naturally, almost intuitively to your data set. 
and the data set are that's almost fulfilled, you know, naturally. And so we've no, let's say, additional, let's say, tasks. And so I think that's the transformation world in which we are, which connects super well. We've almost, you know, do more with less, right? And that's going to be the almost the conversation we're going to have, you know, in the coming month. Uh, and it started already with many customers and partners, how we can optimize the assets that we, they have, how they can, let's say, increase the deprovisioning of some assets that they have, they are paying too much to concentrate a bit more to get more agility. And I think this is where also from a partner perspective, Steve, I see a lot of potential. You know, the, the you, you are referring to Power Platform. It's just, uh, it's it's fascinating to see the what it was in the very beginning, you know, this notion of citizens developer, what does it mean? People didn't know exactly what it is. You know, we are quite afraid to touch it. But now when you see, you know, the shortage of developers in the market in, in general, mm -hmm. uh, and how you can make the most of some absolutely top-notch people who are not developer, touching the last mile execution challenges, have been facing crazy environment and situation that they say, I can't believe, you know, my IT guy doesn't solve these things. Yeah. I've been telling them, you know, the customer pain point for so many years. And now with some, let's say, templates, let's say, available for them, along with some, let's say, technical assets, you can really make the magic in a very, very, very time. You know, you know uh, Charles uh, came up with a term on the fly, ambient CRM. Ambience, kind of, kind of where we're, we're where we're heading here with when you talk about things like uh, Viva Sales and some of these pieces that are that are really wiring all these components together. You know, uh, COVID was a terrible thing, but it certainly was a perfect storm for pushing the, the technology forward uh, into a place that it was gonna it was gonna have. It's been fighting to get to. You know, it's really been fighting to get to that point. And Teams was a great product, but. But uh, certainly, COVID uh, created the perfect environment where teams made, uh, uh, you know, insane sense uh, for companies that were maybe just thinking about it or dabbling with it, and suddenly they're all diving into it. And you guys, of course, poured the investment on top of that. And I think that uh, you know the silver lining of COVID uh, for technology is how far it really allowed it to advance in that period of time. Maybe we just need a pandemic every uh, five years to push the technology forward. I don't know. No, but you know, you know, I have to say that you know, even in my my previous role when I was running, you know, Western Europe, you know, even the most skeptical people, you know, in regard to the cloud or the transition to a cloud environment, have been the one that you know rushed the first almost to a cloud environment once the pandemic has been a bit, you know, uh, a real situation to face. And and to, to to drive the economy or the public services, let's say you know on. Uh, so I think you're right. So you, don't, you don't want to to wish for another pandemic or whatever, but it has been absolutely a forcing function, you know, in many yeah. domains. And, and that, that's true. That that's true. You know, I think that the challenge we have is the particularly in the business application space. You guys have launched so many things in such a short period of time. And as you mentioned before, power apps, people, you know, picking it with a stick, they don't even know what it is. And there's also this this first mover fear, I think, you know, we saw that, you know, when, uh, you know, Microsoft has been, in my mind, kind of famous for coming to the game late and then just taking over the game. <laughs> you know, we, uh, we were uh, we were very late to the cloud, uh, you know, but once we got there, we just kind of took over the cloud and, and you know, we uh, it seems to be a pattern. But when you look back at at the early days of cloud before you guys stepped into it, I mean it was it was wild west. 
and 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 you know all sorts of challenges with cloud and and I think that that gave a lot of people fear about oh you know I remember that I moved into cloud early and we got destroyed and and so I think there's a lot of folks out there just from a technology standpoint that have gotten their you know their hands burnt by moving too quickly um, and we're at that point with. Uh, you know, with the platform and dynamics where these are not new anymore, uh, you know, relatively in, you know, you know, in, in history, they're new, but but they're not new products and they're not built by some, you know, garage shop somewhere with a couple of developers. You know, this is, you know, what, 15,000 people building this stuff back there. I mean, this is this is professionally built, well-built stuff that is ready for prime time. So the first movers have already come through and they all survived. So I, I really feel like we're at that point where it should just it should just take off now. It should just take absolutely take off. And, and I'm sure you guys are seeing this. Yeah. And, and, you know, Steve, I think one thing also is that, you know, you're right. You know, you know, there's a usual thing about, let's say, the first mover, you know, advantage. And at the same time, from a customer perspective, you don't want to be the guinea pig, right, on any, <laughs> any, any situation, especially from a technology standpoint. I think that. The increasingly, what I see in the conversation, you know, uh, is that the the there's almost now, you know, because of the quality of the native integration of the several different applications, whether you know you are in the customer experience environment, on the service side, on the supply chain, on the finance, or the local no-code or app, all these components are absolutely connected to each other. You know, and and basically, whether you you have teams as a platform in your company or you know Azure environment or you know all these components are connected very very you know easily to each other. And so that I would say that the beauty of it now is that you have all, almost the notion of marginal cost if you really want to leverage you know many of the assets that we can bring. And you don't have to take all of them at once. Of mm -hmm. course, it has to be you know matching what you need. Now, but the reality is that let's say there's an almost let's say uh, you know this uh, fully integrated benefit or the connectors with the rest of the world outside of Microsoft environment that which is a great value for the partners, ISVs and others, and at the same time to the customers who think now, hey, I should do more with less. How should I think about my investments for the next let's say five years? Most of the customers now, you know, are really thinking about the longer term relationship. And you know, and defining what's the value SLA almost that you are expecting, both from the partner of the vendor and the vendor itself. And so it's almost like you remember when when we transitioned from a, a world of build revenue and licensing to now more consumption and usage. You you it's almost a, the usage and consumption discussion is a forcing function about the customer success. Are we aligned on the same definition of the customer success? And and uh, what's the time to value that you committed? You know, what what are the key milestones in full transparency that you need to bring in? And I think that's what you know. That's where we are now. And and uh, because Microsoft, I think overall as a company, have been increasing you know tremendously the level of trust. You know, from the security standpoint, the compliance components, and so on, uh, and the scalability. I think that's where you know that's a great leverage for us now in terms of the conversation and. Uh, you know, making sure that the customers are getting the value that we have been selling to them, how we show uh, how much skin in the game we have for, to make them successful. And then it's a flying wheel. It's almost like you will have the innovation will help you to bring new things, respond, or anticipate, take the feedback of the customer to the engineering, 
develop new stuff you know quickly to the market so i think it's it's what we are heading to now steve and i think from a broader perspective you might even see and feel it right more and more oh yeah i mean i think the the sales motion has changed completely uh you know, only a few years ago uh you know we go into a customer and try and convince them to replace salesforce with dynamics and they'd say no and we were done we'd say okay well we'll come back in a couple of years and ask again we had nothing else to sell them you know and now today i mean if they have salesforce I, i'm fine that's great keep salesforce let's 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 add some things around it salesforce will work with viva sales salesforce will work with power platform sales you know we can we, you know it, the door just there's so many doors now i think for a seller to be able to get into a customer and solve problems for that customer without having to do the the one big yank and replace which is very difficult to do it's difficult to do on opposite as well i mean once a customer gets a big solution like salesforce or dynamics 365 installed those are very difficult to to uproot you know it, it takes a very long time and you got you guys have created now this product mix where we don't have to uproot something you know to to sell that customer and, and to get engaged with that customer we can go all over that business without you know without having to uproot something and i think that's huge i i agree steve and i think that it's almost this notion of uh you know rip and replace type of strategy right you know uh you know in some in some cases it works because this is what the customer wants they are fed up about let's say a competitive environment that didn't deliver on the expectation and we should we should be ready to cope with that and 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 respond and you know and, and we have a lot of this but at the same time as you said you know the the what we call the strategy of having a hub and spoke let's say almost environment gives us for every line of business right you know that you know we we decide as a company to go and have a significant acceleration of growth and market share you know is very much to give that option to say hey you know what Mr. Customer, Mrs. Customer, you decided to be on that type of environment. You know who we are to ask you to change. If you are happy, that's fine. But yeah. what we can bring you is almost to enhance what you have with some component that you know absolutely will be uh, you know uh, transparently integrated to what you're using. And it's a great socket, you know, an additional socket for the partner. It's a great value for the customer. They don't feel harassed to change something because we know the cost of transitioning from one to another one. And 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 then you know it's up to us to demonstrate the value that we can bring, and you know eventually you can we can take from there to the next level in the future. So it's a you know it's got to put some, some pressure on the competitors also. You know I mean uh, uh, if I think of uh, I might just use Salesforce because you know they've always been the, mm -hmm. the big competitor, and I'm I'm sure that they were confident sitting there at their large customer when all we had was trying to replace their 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 instance that that was going to be difficult to do and then we'd go away and they didn't have to worry about us now we're coming in and we're circling around and we're 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 solving problems in this department and we're building apps in this department and we're we're doing things all and we're, we're literally bolting into salesforce and the, the the long one potential outcome is that the customer decides over time that wow all of this microsoft stuff that we brought in works really really well that's got to put some pressure on, you know, the incumbent big application in there that, hey, you know, you're surrounded by a bunch of stuff the customer is very happy with. You better make sure they're happy with your stuff. And, uh, you know, they don't reach that point because, like you say, oftentimes when you see those rip and replace, it's because the product 
or the company or something hasn't met the expectation. And to be fair, that could actually happen with any of us, right? I mean, Absolutely. It, it has a lot to do with implementation, design, how a thing was put together, less to do with the, the application itself. That could happen to any vendor. But uh, certainly raises the bar to some of these competitors when they're surrounded by well-performing Microsoft products that are satisfying customers, would you think? Yes. No, absolutely. And, and that's why it's it's almost, uh, you know, it, it's there's a continuity between what we sell, how we sell, to who we sell, and, you know, and, and how we drive the implementation. It's, it's just, uh, you know, it's ongoing will. You know, that is a that is a very different mindset, you know, that we, we all learn, you know, in, in the transition to the cloud, let's say, environment. But absolutely, I think the the, the it's it's a good forcing function to raise the bar to some degree, you know, and the raise the bar for the benefit of the customer. It's almost like, you know, you mentioned the competitiveness of the of, of the what this type of heaven spoke strategy can create. You're right. You know, but in the end, the biggest, let's say, winner will be the customer. Right. And so uh, which I think is always and should always be the North Star for us and our partners, you know, and uh, that innovation that I would say the relevance of the innovation should be, in fact, uh, the, the, the pressure that we put to each other, you know, to, to make sure that, say, we, we listen, we listen carefully to what the customer is facing as a challenge, but potentially to translate their current challenge into the future challenge to push them also to think differently. Because I think the notion of rip and replace, Steve, one of the things was the initial, I don't know if you remember, that the initial issue and, you know, uh, worry was that people were saying, oh, we are moving to the cloud, therefore we are transforming. Well, it was not that right and true. People were just keeping the same processes in the cloud than the one that they had on, on premise, which was not benefiting at all of the scalability and the agility of the cloud environment. So the billing that's why model. I, yeah, you remember that, right? Yeah, yeah, they just changed the way they were paying for it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I, I think I think that's what we have seen on the low code, you know, uh, you know, on this application modernization, you know, on the on some of the enterprise wide innovation also opportunities that we had discussed is how much you can really say, you know what, in this new world of competitiveness, of unexpected challenges, you know, how you can let's say keep the your let's say the your applications you know fitting always always in fact you know proactively the challenges that you are going to have to as opposed to keep going with a quite heavy code to maintain with people who leave that you know it cost you a fortune to maintain so i think this agility that the power apps the power automate you know have been bringing i think is the reason why we have seen we have seen this huge acceleration of growth which is Today is six, seven times faster than the market growth of local no code. So I think it's a great, let's say, indication of what people start to realize. And I think that even I think in the conversation that you had with Charles, you know, when he was referring to, uh, hey, you know what, some of the AI, you know, capability have been slower to be, you know, to be picked up by the vast majority of customers. And it's true because there's a level of, let's say, you know, can I trust this thing? You know, how complex am I going to lose completely ground and control of what I'm doing? You know, all these natural things. I think as 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 we bring more and more, let's say, tools, you know, like, you know, uh, are manageable, like, you know, the, the power platform environment, or let's say the Viva sales capability on top of the teams or a Salesforce environment, that people will start to test 
it is, and I think we are going to be more and more advocate about, hey, what are the benefits of the organization that are using this technology and how we can trust them moving forward? And uh, I think I think Charles was referring to our digital sellers. You know, yeah. their daily life is very much, let's say, using all these AI, you know, uh, you know, led capabilities in terms of reporting, in terms of, let's say, incident management, in terms of even coaching for themselves to do a better call next time. Uh, it's just fascinating to see. Maybe we should even do a, you know, a kind of, let's say, talk on this once we have a bit more, let's say, after the GA, you know, yeah. maybe a few yeah. months after we should have, let's say, you know, what the key learnings, you know, and key benefits from the, from the customer standpoint. Yeah, it always makes a customer confident when they know that the vendor is using the product that they're trying to sell them. <laughs> you, know, yes. you know, it's interesting, the whole, everything moving to a subscription has changed, you know, kind of the mindset, not just of, 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 of you guys, obviously, you know, where you've got, there's no big sale. There's a, a sale of a, of a big subscription, the revenue of which will come over a long period of time. So, but the customer has this option every month to say, you know what, I'm not happy. You're not, you're not, you're not solving my problem. In the old days, they were kind of stuck. You know, they bought all this stuff and they had to make it work. Now they don't have to make it work. We have to make it work. We have to keep them happy enough. We, we recently launched a uh, a uh, professional services on a subscription, which is an interesting model that that I, I lay awake at night thinking about that same thing. That before, you know, a customer would pay you a bunch of money to a bunch of stuff. And now they're paying you a little bit of money yeah. every month for as long as you keep them happy. And this 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 bar of I mean we've always wanted to keep customers happy, but it's never had the the impact or, or importance that it does when you're when you're on a subscription with that customer who can just any any time say you know I'm not happy goodbye. It raises the bar I think for you guys of the of, to have to continuously innovate. Uh, you know, because you've got to continue, you know, what have you done for me lately? You know, you got to continuously innovate and, and bring new things. And, and you've got more motivation probably than the company's ever had in history because of the subscription model. Do you, do you feel that internally? Yes, yes. I, I, I think, you know, as I said, it has been, uh, you know, a, a great enabler to raise the bar, you know, and, and, and you know, you know sometimes it's almost like, you know, you can have a beautiful slide deck, you know, and 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 saying the right things, but the execution doesn't match what you are saying. You know, somehow the you don't walk the talk. I think, yeah, you could have been in that situation in a kind of on-premise environment. I think the cloud has been a forcing function to say, hey, you know what? You can claim you are customer success or you are customer first or you are customer obsessed. Yeah. But the reality is that you know if you don't deliver the service properly. If you are not as responsive, timely. If you are not proactive, uh, you know, customer will say, you know what, enough is enough. I can stop my subscription. You know, it's yeah, done. I have options. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have options. So I think it's a good, it's a good hygiene. It's a good, you know, it's it's it it, it how it makes you having and embracing habits. Mm-hmm. You know that are you know you know I would say are the, the natural thing you know when you engage with a customer, but I think it's almost let's say for the one who might have uh, forgotten that basics you know it has been a great let's say you know uh, opportunity to bring back the the roots of what is it to satisfy a customer right and uh, I think that's that's what the cloud licensing model helped you know put together and I think there are still you know always room for improvement uh, 
you know and and similarly the i would say what you see what you have seen on the collaborative applications you know what we have seen on the low code no code you are going to see it now also on the i would say on the supply chain environment which is super super you know at stress because of what we have seen on the covid but also in fact on the geopolitical aspect and some of the recession discussion uh and also on the on the overall let's say what i would say the contact center you know environment at large yeah. you know uh, how this world is going to change uh yeah. is is going to be led a lot by the capability that techno technology can bring and the ability to listen carefully to you know the strategies and the challenges of the of the corporation that are involved in so i'm it's quite exciting actually you know i don't uh, get involved a lot with the call center operations but yeah. I, I, I i picture the old call center as this massive building full of cubicles and people with headphones and i picture that now that most of those people are probably working remote you know, a call, a call center now could operate at my desk just about and have thousands of people all, you know, working from their home. So that that whole industry feels like it's changed uh, significantly. And uh, yes, I'm, I'm I'm sure they're starving for the technology that fits the model that they're they're being pushed, you know, uh, to adopt. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There are. I mean, it's interesting. You know, if if you if you summarize some of the, you know business challenges or you know the things that are coming from multiple conversation and you know that you know we we had the nuance acquisition you know a, a few months back and so it's almost the the first fiscal year where we are going to be able to to strategize operate together as one organization uh and it's it's great because somehow you take you know their own experience in terms of conversational ai and you know what they have been living in for for many years and at the same time you hear about let's say the customer feedback when it comes to uh, you know as you said you know the traditional contact center or call center evolution you know how to translate this into a modern service experience right you know and and uh, and how ai can contribute to that you know on the, on a seamless integrated way you know uh, how to think about customer retention in this world where people are a bit more struggling with their bottom line you know the the, the how to protect the customer you know privacy as well because you talk about voice capability recording but how you cope with the the the, the, the privacy and the security during this service journey so all these are absolutely great opportunities for us to to combine what we are hearing the technology and the acquisition that we did you know a few months back to put that into a, a great component and i would say the data analytics that the, the power you know platform power bi you know gives us on the back end uh you know is going to be a, a great platform for us again to differentiate from the rest of the of the world well and it'll also help kind of offset the fact that these people are all remote now that's uh, right you know i mean they used to they, they used to all be sitting in this big room and people were standing up there looking over a rail at them making sure they were doing what they were doing and available and and you, you can't lose any of the customer service uh you know quality just because you've moved everybody out of the building and nobody can physically see them anymore you've got i mean ai is the only way to plug that hole really of being able to know what's going on in there in this organization with all those people remote you know, in your in your day to day activities, I, I, I'm assuming that since you're head of sales, that you get engaged with all of the big opportunities that come to Microsoft, and you know you're 
you're in there leading the charge to to get them to you know make a decision for the services. What are the areas that you're seeing among those larger customers that that, that they're really excited about? Is it, is it is it the low code stuff? Is that is that very exciting to them, or are they still wrapping their arms around that? No, no. I would say that the the low code the low, I mean the the notion of let's say application modernization, which which doesn't mean I do the same thing I was doing before in the cloud. Really thinking about what do I want to 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 fix, and uh, and uh, and how much I can include some perspective about what could happen, you know, in 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 some let's say uh, options or scenario. That capability that PowerApps has been giving them, and and now you know we see that. Uh, the corporations who are the most successful are the ones who are almost creating a center of excellence within their own organization that, let's say, help the IT to monitor somehow, in fact, the usage rate, but also to amplify the user experience and to spread it across the organization to, to uh, and the ability to uh, almost measure the, the positive impact. The second thing I've seen is on the on the on the on the low code no code is the the time to value. It's almost like you know, you can almost now, and I would, I'm saying when I say we, it's almost we with the partners. You know, we can almost say for this type of let's say expectation or application or challenge, you know, it will take three months to be ready. You know, not three years, two years, or you know, with a heavy development environment. You know, and and so this center of excellence, let's say, you know, mindset or framework is a very powerful one because it helps to almost create a concentration of, hey, what are the most critical things to fix and how long it's going to take? And the people are you know, almost, let's say, very impressed about, let's say, how much quickly you can have great quality because you bring both the expertise of the, as I said, almost the person who is facing the challenge every single day, being non, non-technical guy with, in fact, the support of IT. And I think that's the business decision makers along with the IT. I think to me, that's why, you know, we have been on this six, seven times faster than the market rate. We have huge ambition there. And, and be aware that we have also 20 million of users of PowerApps today that came from the seeded, let's say, you know, campaigns. So people are actively using it, not yet paying it. So that means that it's great. It's the future almost pipe, you know, for, for us to, to go after because people are starting to use, in fact, at least the, the basic functions to get adjusted, customized to, and so on. Uh, the, the, the second thing I would say is that people have realized, you know, the how easy it is to, uh, and recognizing that Teams became a platform, you know, close to 300 million users, you know, it's not the 25 or 30 million, you know, almost pre-pandemic. And so that became almost, uh, as you said, you are at home or you are wherever you are. And that's the interaction that you have with your customers, partners, ecosystem and employees. And so now it's a marginal component to say, hey, can I have one tab that is going to do that type of task, my forecasting, my thing. And so this is, this is again, the connection between what you use every single day at scale and the marginal cost of bringing a component of Dynamics 365, you know, a component of the application that you create, you know, quickly, you know, uh, through Power Apps or Power Automate from the process, you know, implementation and automation. So I think that's what I see the two biggest part uh, of of the the customer reaction and uh, and uh, and I would say feedback for us and encouragement to be fair to keep going in that direction. What do you you know? 
we've got lots of examples that you guys have got out on on the case studies of of large companies that have really gone in head first and and just you know thousands of apps in the organization solving thousands of problems and just just excellent i mean you just have to almost grin when you look and hear about these things but for every one of those there's still a bunch of them out there where i don't know it maybe is still an obstacle i mean it has been it's interesting because IT's been a friend of Microsoft for a long time because a lot of the products that they have engaged with were Microsoft products, servers, et cetera. They've had to make this transition. Uh, and now here come, you know, they've had to make this transition to cloud, which was scary for them, uh, but they ultimately uh, did it um, for the most part, not all of them, but did it. And now here comes low code, no code. That's got to scare the bejesus out of out of a, a lot of IT folks. And how how are you at that company size? Because frankly, we struggle with the same thing in the mid market. Yeah. How, how at that big company uh, size do you deal with that uh, occasional obstinance from uh, IT? Yeah, it's a great point. The the you're you're right. I think Microsoft, you know, in general, I, I don't want to generalize, but in in general. I've been, you know, for for the last 40 years, you know, very, very close to the IT decision makers. And I think, and rightfully so, because, you know, there were so many and, and still so many things to, to achieve, you know, in, in partnership with the IT and CIO environment. At the same time, when it comes to, <clears throat> to business applications or business process, <clears throat> I would say that the, 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 you need to find a balance between the business decision makers you know, who are the ultimate decision makers when it comes to what is going to affect, you know, their business or the way they work from a Salesforce perspective or the way their, but the marketing, you know, uh, leaders wants to uh, automate, you know, some of the processes that they believe is important. And so that, that, that uh, we probably are in a unique business case at Microsoft where you have to talk to both. Yeah. And, and the learning is that, you know, in the very beginning where you were only talking to IT, for example, in the local no code, you could have signed a deal with IT, but then you know you almost had to start to sell it again internally because you had to knock to all the doors of the business decision makers to say, hey, do you know that you have this thing in your corporation? You know, and right. by the way, this is the thing that you can do. Do you mind start, you know, there? And so that was basically almost a waste of cycle. And so we said, you know, we, we have to do these two things together and we need to be able to articulate what is the value, you know, of low code, no code, maybe in, you know, in FSI, in financial service or manufacturing or, you know, in retail. And there, of course, there's a strong common denominator, but there are some specifics that might resonate more for some industries more than others and, and therefore the decision makers. And we have seen that when we do these things well together in parallel, when you sign the contract or the deal or the agreement, you know, the time to move to usage or the business case implementation is much faster. So basically, you, you bring more value both to IT and the business and for Microsoft. And so I think that's the piece where I think with the IT evolved on low-code, no-code from being afraid in the beginning or skeptical to a place where they are increasingly embracing this center of excellence environment where they own it as an IT. Uh, they, they, this is connected to the business decision makers, therefore it brings value. And so IT brings value to the business decisions or the business unit and the line of business. And then what was missing so far was 
how can we give them the monitoring environment, almost uh, the control board, you know, to 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 manage the budget, to manage, let's say, or having warning to say, hey, business A, you know, you are over consuming, you know, are you, you know, sh should we should we lower the investment or should we accelerate because of what you are doing? So I think that the kind of tools that you know we are bringing now to the to the IT, so that they are absolutely part of the success of the company and they are connected to the business, you know, decision makers. I think uh, that's the best way for us to to demonstrate yeah. value and keep the IT completely aligned, you know, with the business directions. Yeah, and the opposite would be true also if you're if you're going in trying to sell the line of business owner without talking IT, and you convince them, you like you say, now you got to go sell IT. So it's two cycles. Absolutely. <laughs> you have you have to somehow get them both in the same room, you know, and do it at once. You know, so we've got so many products coming. We've got so many products here. And if you imagine a, a generic customer uh, of a large size that you're going to be going to talk to next week about uh, all that Microsoft has to offer, what are a couple of the key products that you're going to want to make sure you land in their in their head that are that are that you feel across all companies are extremely high value or differentiators you know the, the thing you don't want to walk out of that room without mentioning yeah i i would say that one of the and you, you somehow you touched on it uh steve earlier on you know as part of the transition and uh, you know uh, that we are you know driving you know, one of the things is also to simplify and to simplify the portfolio, to simplify the go to market, to simplify, you know, uh, you know, the, the strategy. We, we discussed the heaven spoke, let's say, you know, strategy. And so I would say at the very beginning, you know, what we what we said is that instead of saying, hey, there's a proliferation of products and every year we add more and more and more. And at some point you confuse your own sellers, you confuse the customer, you confuse the partner. It's super tough to digest everything and even understand, you know, what's the hierarchy, you know, across all these things. So or licensing and licensing <laughs> on top of it, all yeah. this complexity, right? I mean, it, we, we, we have gone through it and it's still not perfect. But at the same time, I think what we said is that there are the, the let's say the categories or the line of business that we want to go in. We want to have a fair shot to, to, to take a leadership position in the next, let's say, years. Uh, and, and, and what it takes to get to that point, you know, and from an innovation perspective, from a go-to-market perspective, from a partner program perspective, from a sales and, and, and seller investment capacity perspective and so on. And so I would say that's more the starting point, Steve, where we say we define five categories, you know, five line of business where we believe we have a shot to become a leader. And, you know, and these categories, we need to be able to be clear on where the value that we bring. For example, if you take the customer experience, let's say Ola, uh, which is more the, the connected sales and marketing, if I may, you know, summarize, you know, at the high level, you know, it's going to be all the conversation about the collaborative apps, the customer experience transformation. You have already teams for the vast majority of you. Hey, that's what you want to achieve. The Dynamics 365 sales is going to give you that capability or the LinkedIn sales navigator on top of it is going to give you that type of insight. You know, you are not touching about AI. You think about, you know, you know almost sales automation, you know, uh, sales force automation. Hey, how let, let us show you how the AI you know, infused capability within Dynamics 365 sales and marketing give you that asset absolutely naturally integrated on your team's environment. 
you know, and, and same thing on Viva Sales, the sales productivity, we can measure it the way you want, you know, and, and, and you're in control of that. And by the way, it works on the environment that you are working. Could be Microsoft, could not be, as we discussed. That's more the conversation that we want to have. And of course, on the back end, you are going to have the 365 sales and marketing and Viva Sales, you know, most, uh, most of the time for that line of business. If you think about, let's say, low code, no code, I would say you will have uh, you will have probably three type of conversations. You know, you you will have the conversation about hey, you are a large enterprise. You know, uh, uh, multi geos coverage, uh, and you know, basically the benefit of having an enterprise wide, let's say, you know, uh, uh, engagement. What does it mean? You know, how, what's the framework for you to make the most of it, and how we commit? You know, with our partners to deliver you the value. And so you can commit on five years maybe with Microsoft and you know how much value we can bring already to you. Or it's purely an application modernization. You, you move to a hyperscale environment, but you have all these old-fashioned applications. So basically, you are on a platform that is modern, but all your applications are still old-fashioned. How low-code, no-code is going to help you to, to accelerate that transition? And you know what? Let's start with one company, one app. Pick one and let's do it right and then replicate from there. Uh, and then potentially, in fact, uh, the last one, which I think is going to be the biggest one potentially, is the business process automation. It's uh, it's think think about you know uh, the the forecasting process. You know, I have to say that you know when I was running you know my business in in Western Europe, you know we have been doing this traditional forecasting process, which you know in every company when we talk with with you know business leaders or CFOs, that's the same thing. You know, you ask you know the forecast at the lowest level of the organization, then the manager of that organization do a, a judgment. That judgment moves to the next level of management. The management you know do another judgment. So all the way up to the to the top level. Who does a judgment anyway on top of it or define, depending on who is doing the forecast, almost, mm. let's say, a, a, co a coefficient of, let's say, correction based on who is doing the forecast. When, when you start to do that thing into AI and you say, you know what, we know the behavior of people by geo, by individuals potentially, you, you come to, after 18 months or one year, you know, to a trend of forecast that is so close to, in fact, what you were getting before that you say, how many how many hours, thousands and thousands of hours of productivity saving I'm going to have just because of this AI forecasting capability? That's a kind of example of, let's say, uh, an application for local code, no code that is just sucking, in fact, the, the behavior or the intelligence so far to help you to drive your business. And so we have been running that internally as well, and it's, it's quite impressive. So that's the kind of conversation that you want to have both with the IT, but you see this perfect example of, hey, having that conversation with the CFO, you know, or the sales leader is a great one because it's a marginal cost, again, to what yeah. you are using already, right? Uh, and, and the same thing happened with on finance and supply chain, you know, and service when it comes to, all right, so where you are, what are you using, are you still on-prem? The vast majority of ERP, the vast majority of contact center and call center are still on-prem. So you can think about, hey, what does it take to move to a cloud and more agile environment? You know, what are the best that you want to do? Which is the strategic partner or vendor? You are going to take this back because you're not going to change this environment every two years. You know, it's yeah, going yeah, to yeah. be a five-year, ten-year bet, it's right? A, it's a marriage. It's a marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, does it help, Steve? Yeah, and I think you know, interesting. You know, I mean, one of the things I think about AI in forecasting is it, it doesn't have any personal bias. 
That's right. And 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 I, you know, obviously in larger companies, I'm sure there's a lot of checking and cross-checking in the middle market. You know, it's a, it's a bunch of optimistic salespeople coming up with optimistic projections that have no basis in history or anything else that's going on, uh, you know, of, of what's going on. And I, I've been in I've been in meetings uh, where we've been displaying some AI uh, facts or figures or forecasts or projections, and and listen to you know senior people just adamantly disagree that number is absolutely not correct. I know I've been, and I've had them tell me I've been doing this for 30 years. I, I I know, I know. Well, you know, and then here comes next month, and guess what was right? You know, the the AI model was right, and the guy who's been doing it for 30 years is you know making up some excuses. So I think that uh, I think that the world right now is fraught with uh, bad projections on everything: cost projections, sales projections. There's too much. There's too much personal bias involved in the process of creating those things. And, uh, you know, as leadership of a company, you're relying on these things. Uh, you know, they're going to drive you right over a cliff if, if, if you know, potentially if, if you're not careful, if you don't have good information, if you can't get the bias out of it. And I think that's one of the big things that AI brings that I, uh, that I found resonates with with leadership sometimes is it's going to remove all the bias. I mean, it's just removing all the bias. I mean, you, you, you don't want to you don't want to hear smoke. You know, you want to hear reality, so you so you can act accordingly. You don't you know, you got you're surrounded by a bunch of people who want to make you feel good, but AI doesn't care how you feel. <laughs> you know, it's gonna, gonna tell you the truth. <laughs> yes. It doesn't care if you get mad. You know, so. But you you know you know Steve. Also, it's interesting because sometimes you point to this. You know that sometimes the when you are too early on the innovation, you know some people might be again scared or skeptical, as we said. But you know, it's uh, you know I remember you know we were looking at let's say some some numbers when it comes to uh, you know uh, are we operating consistency for example in the world or there are some let's say practices that are bringing more growth you know uh, or more relevant than other places and so one thing was was interesting was you know the 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 in in the services line of business or category you think of case management right you know and it's one of the you know the the, the 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 opportunities and you might say well case management is not super innovative well it's something that is quite well known uh but case management was one of the fastest growth you yeah. know uh in majors and and that was because it was responding to the fact that you know the vast majority of the case management processes are still on-prem today and the one who are moving to the cloud, especially in public sector, you know, to to make sure that you know the queuing system is working. You have a follow up, let's say, you know, email almost, let's say, to tell you and tracing where you are on the request that you put in place. All these things we believe is is generic everywhere, but it's not. It's by yeah. far not right. Yeah. And uh, and across mid market and 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 large corporation and private sector and public sector. So sometimes you know the it's not always innovation that drives in fact the next generation of growth. It's also in fact the basics that are not fulfilled today and that create a bad customer experience. Uh, and uh, and that's an interesting you know way to to keep very humble about let's say what we still have on our plate. I can remember not that long ago when you talk about customer service, the the goal of many companies was to provide as bad a service as possible so that they didn't have to, to 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 do it. I mean, it was a cost center for them. They know they, they hadn't come to the realization yet, this is decades, but hadn't come to the realization yet that customer service is what drives future revenue. 
They just looked at it as a cost center and figured the worse it is, the less people will use it and it'll cost us less. <laughs> you know, so so that mindset has changed. You know, you, you talk about uh, fears that people have of technology. And so a lot of this is, you know, people's self-preservation fears. You know, they, they see something coming. Uh, we saw it even in the partner channel. Oh, uh-oh, here comes, here comes low code, no code. Uh, customers are going to be doing all the work themselves. They're not going to need us partners anymore. And it, it's like this first reaction that people have about anything new is how's that going to affect me? And generally, they're going to assume negatively. Uh, our business is busier than we've ever been as a result of low code. Uh, so it, it's been it's actually been the opposite. But uh, partners and and just like people, you know, you need to be prepared to to pivot into that wind. And if you're just going to stand there with your arms crossed and not move, yeah, low code's going to hurt you. Uh, if you know you need to you need to lean into that, and the same thing with uh, you know individuals that are looking at the new new technology. It's it's coming, and you can either stand there with your arms crossed and let it knock you down, which is a you know foregone conclusion, or you can bend with it. And uh, to be honest, the the younger folks are, are are more flexible than us older folks, so they're not having any trouble with this technology at all. Uh, we recently signed a new customer. It's all young, young, uh, young people, and, and man, they just get it. I mean, there's no, there's no explaining anything. They they understand every single thing you're talking about, why and what. I mean, they're you know born with a cell phone in their hand. Uh, none of this is foreign, but we still got to get rid of all of us old guys. <laughs> you know? no, I, I agree. I, I agree. It's a uh, and time flies, you know, and and uh, you know, it's almost like you know some often, let's say the if if you uh, you you need really to embrace the, uh, always a zero regret strategy in you know in this type of let's say you know uh, evolving environment uh, you know anything that you postpone to some degree is almost let's say a loss you know uh, yeah. and that has been proven you know in 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 the technology realm and you know when I when I look at uh, you know the the we always have to be humble it's a it's a highly competitive market and people are smart and. And that's great because in the end, as we discussed, it's all good for the customer. But I think that when I look back to uh, the the commitment of the company, the investment that we put in place last year, you know, with the support of Satya, you know, uh, Amy who Judson Health of, you know, we more than one thousand, you know, sellers, you know, you know, injected in the marketplace. We keep going on on the on the investment on the low code, no code, even more so uh, to drive the acceleration of the growth. On, in addition to Dynamics 365, you know, when I look at every category that we are in now and i think it's a good it's a good confidence level that we are on a, on a path here that you know first of all uh you know we are between two times and three times the growth of the market for each of these categories that that's a good indication in 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 uh, and i think that also erased the confidence level of the broader sellers at microsoft yeah, you know, yeah. uh to to bring these different components together you know and add more value to the customer so look it's it's a journey steve and uh you know it's uh, quite exciting to be to be on on this and we we people like yourself because we have been there also for a long time and uh you know you know what it takes to transition and uh you know sometimes you you, you never fail. You learn always, and you know you everything that you you learn and that works. You know it's almost to think how we can scale and bring that to the mass. You know as quick as we can, so that people can benefit from it. Well, success breeds success, and uh, you know you guys have got it going right now. Anything you want, I've taken up enough of your time. Any anything that you want to get out there that I didn't ask or we didn't talk about? No, I think you uh, still you 
<laughs> give me a good, good overview of, let's say, where we are, you know, how we think. Again, I think that the simplification, you know, the portfolio, uh, the much more focused approach, the, the category and, uh, you know, uh, uh, and more consistent execution on the go to market is really the, the next level for us. And the hub and spoke strategy across all the all yeah. these categories gives much more room, you know, to 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 increase the, the business opportunity for us and the partners. Yeah, I think so. I think so. All right. Listen, it was great uh, talking to you. I'm glad you made made the time. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely hope you'll talk to you again in the future. we got something new to talk about. Any Anytime you want to reach out and, and, and jump on and talk about some stuff, you know, let me know. I'm happy to happy to to get you on. So I'll say. Yeah, I I'll, think, I think you know, Steve, you know, I mean, we are all, let's say, you know, reading all these, let's say, you know, headlines on the recession you know in a few months from now you know between now and end of calendar year we're going to see a bit more clarity on how you know the planning you know is happening you know for the you know mid-market large corporation how the public sector is evolving in this dimension uh and also you know we'll have a few let's say product you know launched you know that we talked about diva sales you know any learning from that let's say maybe the first two three months would be interesting to see, you know, yeah. uh, how people react, and maybe that could be a great opportunity for us to chat. Also, what's going on on the nuance, let's say, post, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Plenty of things to talk, I guess. Sounds good. All right, Vahe, thanks again for your time. Thank you. Take care, Steve. Have a great day.